Julie when she finally gets let go and then immediately gets brought right back to the house. <laughs> right. Is that her name, Julie? Uh, yeah, in my notes, I just kept writing down Kitty because that's what Martha was calling her. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, we're rolling. And welcome back, folks, to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. Today, I am your host, Brendan. Uh, where, where, where do I come from? San Francisco, saving the day. San Francisco. Right? Is that yeah, that's, that's, that's where Mr. Fantastic, that's where you reside. To fight Doctor Doom and Evil, Francisco, and I'm back. It's me, Mister Fantastic, uh, and with us, as always, he's the man with the plan. He writes with the number two. Eh, he writes with the number two pencil, and he's number one in all of our hearts. Uh, he's slick black Cadillac that wears a snap back. It's Kyle with okay. How you doing, Kyle? Good. I don't know what it is about the man with the plan intro that just chaps my asshole, but something yeah. about it just, it sounds so forced. generic. Yeah, and forced. Oh, okay. yeah. And forced. I mean, I appreciate the intro. Um, and very but... rarely do you have a plan. No, I, so... I, I almost never have a plan. <laughs> so it should be the man without a plan. Yeah, the man without a plan. And, and that sounds accurate. better. That sounds a lot man. better. That sounds like a James Bond flick. The man without a plan. <laughs> 007, uh, man with that plan. Dude, remember when remember when Daniel Craig was initially brought on to play James Bond and everyone got pissed off. They were calling mm-hmm. him James Blonde. And then mm-hmm. Quantum uh, Solace comes out and it's really dark and really gritty. And people are like, oh shit, okay. And then they, they just it. did they? Yeah, Quantum of Solace is probably the worst rated one in the Craig series. Oh, I, gets, I thought that, damn. Yeah, no, it gets completely shit on. But I actually love Quantum of Solace. Dude, it's the got, ball chair? Dude, it's got some of the best cinematography. There's a fight scene or like a shootout scene where it's just all the background audio is silent. It's just playing like this orchestral theme. And it's like so epic and like out of pocket for a Bond movie. But it's like, like it's so artistic, I guess you could say, for like a Bond flick. But I love it, man. I love Quantum Solace. But then Skyfall, fucking, didn't Skyfall win an Oscar for something? Probably. Everybody Dude, likes I, Skyfall. Skyfall's good. I, I really Skyfall's liked really Skyfall, good. but the one after that with Javier Bardem, uh, isn't that? I haven't seen the most recent one. That's got to be that then, right? I think yes, I that's, ended that's on the Skyfall. one where it's that like huge computer farm in like the desert or something. Yeah, and he takes his teeth out for some reason. Well, no, no, no. The huge computer farm isn't that Quantum of Solace? No, no, that's the third one. I'm getting mixed up now. I'm getting them mixed up. You know, the last one Quantum's... I saw that was Skyfall, and then there's the fourth one, which is a day, a die another day, or something like that. A day to remember. A day to remember. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a good band. Not really. I don't oh like shit! Um, but, but I don't like him. What uh, if? What, what have you been up to, Brennan? What have I been up to? Uh, I just got actually. This just came in the mail. Uh, I'm still continuing my journey into seventies, eighties, um, unhinged conspiracy novels, um, speculative fiction, as I've been calling them to people, so I don't seem like a mm. fucking lunatic. 
Um, this book that just arrived yesterday is a 1979 edition, and this thing is weathered. Dude, the pages like the pages are yellow. Are yellow. Mm, yeah. Oh, and it smells like it too. Um, but it's on the Hollow Earth, which has been a topic that's always kind of fascinated me, and I've never Can really you... done much research into it. What's the Hollowed Earth? Uh, basically, more or less, it's that there is no core to the Earth. Uh, if you dig down, uh, apparently at both of the poles, there's an entrance into the hollow earth, and it's basically this giant crystalline cavern where the aliens that actually run Earth reside. Dude, gotcha. this shit is wild. Gotcha. Um, I was going to say so, it's very literal title until the yes, aliens yeah, got yeah. put in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's hollow earth conspiracies all around the globe. Um, How do you choose which book you're going to get next? Just like the, uh, like the subject of what it's about. If like- uh, if if someone mentions something in one of the broadcasts of Art Bell, um, I will uh, I'll jot it down. Yeah. And I would say the overwhelming majority of the books that he and his guests reference um, have gone out of print. I think for many reasons. Uh, one of them was this book on human vampires and about how this guy was turned into a vampire and the book just doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I, I write them all down and then when I get some free time, uh, I go through and find which ones I can still purchase, which yeah. ones I can easily purchase. And if there's one, like uh, this this Hollow Earth book, um, this was... Uh, they still make paperbacks of it, but they don't make hardbacks anymore. And when I when I found out that there was a hardback on sale on Amazon for like fifteen bucks, and uh, there there were like two copies of it, I was like, I ha- I have to buy it. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool. So, that's cool. It's it's interesting. I'll I'll report back once I get further into this book because this is the this is from Admiral Byrd, who was a military man. Um, who found the hollow earth, I guess. I don't know. He found uh, it. He discovered he found it. it. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, what, have you, what have you been up to? Oh, and Christmas time massacre. I don't think we ever talked about that. Um, yeah. You want to, do you want to quickly just rattle off? You, you have a distasteful look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> so I could like see it. Yeah. Talk to me. Talk to me about, um, oh, here, I'll shed some light on it first. Yeah. Um, uh, I beat it. It's very short. It's not very long. Platinum? No, some of the trophies are a little hard just because they're so janky, but um, it's fun. It's cool. Um, I like the concept. I like the idea. It's very like hotline Miami trial and error kind of thing. Try to get the best time, try to get hit the best score, change your routes, uh, change the order of kills to try to um, perfect your time. I like that kind of thing. Um it's cool. It's fun. It's it's just it's a little um, undercooked. I think um, it's it's not as polished as a lot of their recent work. Um, it is one of their older games, I believe. So um, I feel like it's a pretty cool like first, you know, kind of step. You know, it's a cool concept. It kind of got their like style out in front of audiences to kind of show what they're all about with the whole. Um, 70s 80s 90s like Mm -hmm. slashers yellow horror kind of aesthetic and um i think it's fun i think it's uh it's got a cool soundtrack and i think yes yeah 
I think uh, what it's trying to do is fun. I just, yeah, I just think it's a little, it's a little half baked. But um, it's definitely my least favorite of the puppet combo games I've played. Um, but um, I like it, and I I like how they kind of uh, cross the worlds of Nun Massacre. It's it's the same school that takes place in in Nun Massacre mm-hmm. that. Um, the, the dormitory yeah yeah the dormitory and you kind of get the nuns it's kind of a, like a reuse of assets so like it's like the same nun the same school so it's probably a lot easier for them to make i don't know which one came first honestly but uh it's cool it's cool i like it but what do you think i'll talk about the pros um yeah. the christmas tree was hilarious kill um just yeah. telling you to kill 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 uh I do like so. I, I think you said this is the only puppet combo game where you play the villain. I think so, as far as I know. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess. Um, well, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. It's fun. It's different. I think for me, the appeal of their games is being hunted by the killer, not actually being the killer. Yeah. Um. I also did like the score very much. I think that there was a good uh, rendition of, I think, Silent Night when you were in the brothel, maybe? I don't I don't quite remember. No, I think they uh, play that when you're in his house. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the costumes. I, I played as uh, the, the big baby the whole time. Nice. Because um, that's what was scariest to me. What I didn't like. Oh, I don't know how... Uh, obviously the characters are on a set path for for the routes they take um, yeah. but i feel like there was a big issue with their uh detection some of them you could be standing right in front of them and they don't see you and someone walks around a corner and they catch the tiniest glimpse of you and it's game over from like 100 yards away yeah yeah the the throwing knife accuracy really pissed me off um the the level that I gave up on was the movie theater level. That one infuriated me beyond all in because it's so dark. Mm-hmm. It was it was way way too dark and not even in like a creepy spooky way. Um, and like an the, Alien versus Predator Requiem. Mm-hmm. Way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we'll never escape that. No. Um, and the I do like how once you get into the shadows, it puts you into like blue vision i guess you could call it night night vision (laughs) night vision is probably what you call it um but the time it takes to get into that vision it takes like five to ten seconds and and time is of the essence exactly trying to get the s ranking yeah exactly like i'm i'm not i'm not looking for realistic um eyes adjusting to darkness in this yeah. game i'm looking for i want to be in the pitch black so these people can't see me with a knife yeah um no totally the, those are all totally valid but Negatives. yeah i am glad that i paid money for it i'm glad that playstation ended up uh not being censorship little bitches like xbox and you know it's nintendo I, and in switch um so yeah, apparently Xbox is in talks with them again to possibly get it on there. I doubt it's going to happen. Yeah, I doubt it. But I mean, Xbox is pretty like they're not strict about the stuff that they put on their, you know, platform, but at the same time 
they're way more restrictive if you look at like the switch library or the steam library where there's like full-on sex games hentai mm-hmm. there's really mature shit like um you won't find any of that on xbox but like nintendo has like hentai stuff and like you know very mature rated games for a nintendo platform so it's kind of surprising to me that they didn't put this on there but do you uh do you have a favorite do i have a what Favorite a Switch hentai game. Oh, favorite Switch hentai game. Um, <laughs> Wrath of the Tentacle 4, uh, Back from the Ooze. <laughs> Go look it up. Now, that that one is a direct sequel to the first one, I believe. Correct. Correct. <laughs> it skips the two, three in the timeline. So, so Lori is not Michael's brother, sister. <laughs> that is right. But I don't know. Um, I just want to also... Shout out my love for... I know we're kind of like dragging this intro on a little bit, um, but... It's just... Oh, by the way, everyone, it's just us, so... Yeah, I mean, if you already forgot about Ian being here, so did we. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just kidding, love you, Ian. Uh, I watched Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, which is a Netflix exclusive. Is that the anime? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's really fucking good. Really, really fucking good. I mean... I've said before, but like Edgar Wright's my favorite modern day director. I say modern day in like the past, like two decades, I would say. Um, And he didn't direct this, but you could tell he had a lot of involvement in it. He's gone on press tours with the director and stuff like that. So he's very involved, I believe. Yeah, he's very involved. Um, But they brought back all the original cast from the Edgar Wright movie to do all the voices for all the characters. Um, And it's, it's, just a perfect companion piece to the film. If you like the film at all, you got to watch this. It's they take what everybody's trying to do right now with like a multiverse kind of thing and wrapping things into it. And they, they do it in a clever way that doesn't beat you over the head with the Edgar Wright film. And Mm -hmm. they kind of have fun with it and they play with it. And it's very charming. The soundtrack is awesome. Um, I mean, they take stuff out of like the Tony Hawk games and like, it's just, it's so good. The animation is really, really beautiful. And the subject matter of just, you know, that, that first true love coming of age, you know, just, it, it just, it's such a cool, cool story. And uh, yeah, man, I just want to shout out to that. Imagine how tragic it would be. You're 18. You in your first love is a manic pixie dream girl. God, I mean, that would be the worst that's first all of, relationship. No, nah, that's all of that's my dream, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, that's no, probably... no, no. But, but like, she's gonna break your heart. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So like, yeah, as a sure. or actually, no, maybe that being your first relationship, if you were like an artist or something, that's that's either that's either the uh, what is going to kill you or propel you as an artist. I think that's how we um, envision looking back at all of our first loves that they were just like this put on a pedestal kind of thing until they weren't, you know what I mean? Until they weren't, you're like, Oh uh, yeah, they do bleed. But my first love, the pastor. Um, the pa- <laughs> <laughs> it's an inside joke guys inside joke. Um, <laughs> but okay. Uh, let's, let's move on to, um, but you know, I, I do want to check it out. I do want to check it out. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you have to have Netflix because there's no other way to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, those... Oh, I almost said something bad. Um, we are here today 
to talk about the 2022 Belgium film Megalomaniac. Uh, before we get into talking about the movie, let's get into some... Now, b- before I start, I do want to say, Kyle, please contain yourself for a few seconds. Um, This first line is purposefully written, and I don't want you to say anything. I don't... There's a joke that you're going to try and say, and please don't say it because I have written the joke down. You know me too well already, Brennan. That's crazy. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Vile. Beautiful. Foul. You are, you know... I want to trans- say it! <laughs> transcending. Misogynistic. Feminist. Belligerent. Chaotic. Uncompromising. Gross. Tame. Gut-wrenching. And award-winning. These are just a few of the words you use to describe not just Kyle's ex-wife, but also <laughs> the film Megalomania. <laughs> Thank you so much. That made me so happy. <laughs> See, that, yeah, I, I, I wanted to build it up. Uh, uh, well, I'm shaking after that. I that feel was... like a release just washed over me and like all my problem, problems and stresses just went away. Uh, <sighs> uh uh, Megalomaniac is the festival slayer of 2022. It is a Belgium horror film written and directed by, I'm going to mispronounce this, Kareem Olhaj. Uh, and one of the films I've deemed to be leading what I call the New Extremity Movement, which is spearheaded by films like this, uh, Repulse, and Beaten to Death. Um, surprisingly, this film is indeed based on a true story. Uh, surprisingly, uh, I didn't actually realize that until this watch. Um, I, I did some research on it. Uh, in Belgium, in 1996 to 1997, there was someone called the Butcher of Mons who has at least five bodies to his name. Like the father in Megalomaniac, the real-life butcher was never caught. Festival audiences were immediately enthralled by Olhaj's melding of beauty and brutality. Um... Uh, actually, uh, during a conversation with another critic friend, um, we both came to the realization that this was one of the hardest films for us to ever keep under embargo because all we wanted to do was talk about it. Uh, Megalomaniac not only shocked festival viewers, but gained uh, but um, general audiences as well. And while there is no financial info uh, regarding this film, there was a limited theatrical release earlier this year in September. This brave Belgian film was in squat was acquired by Dark Sky Pictures for North American release, which is how it got into theaters and festivals. Um, but now for an awful transition, uh, put on your apron, grab your mallets, and let's talk megalomaniac. I couldn't, I, I just couldn't think of any like good transitions. Yeah, sorry, I, I I got done with this viewing so late that I didn't have time to yeah to pitch you one so. Um, thank you for the fear facts, Brennan. That was uh, well written. Uh, so let's get into our first initial thoughts. You know what I'm going to ask you, Kyle. Where'd you watch it? You add it to your collection. I already know the answer to one of these. Um, <clears throat> and what did you think? Actually, no, before we even get into that, we've covered a few disturbing uh, I'm glad, movies on I'm here. I'm glad you're touching on this, yeah. You have been less than disturbed by i think the majority if not all of the disturbing movies we covered i have talked this movie up very highly Mm -hmm. uh which i'm kind of now regretting doing because i 
kind of wish we were going to this a little fresher. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think that this movie does brutality right and artistically. But one, do you find this movie to be disturbing? Yeah, I do. I think that this is the most disturbing movie we might have covered so far for me. And let me tell you why. Please. Because I think it depicts it in such a um, real, like, in the moment, natural way. And it doesn't try to focus on the brutality. It lets it play out in front of you to where you can kind of you're kind of just watching things unfold and they're not just making the scene brutal to make the scene brutal, if that makes sense. It's like Mm -hmm. a natural story progression of what's happening. And I, I can't, I can't talk about the brutality without getting into a little bit of it. So I don't know if you want me to do that right now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So like the scene when he follows the girl out of the church and kills her, Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like to me that there was a little bit of research done watching a lot of like explore with us and stuff and hearing the way killers talk about how their victims sounded when they were killing them. It, it that's what made it disturbing to me is because it felt really accurate from what I've heard from actual killers on what they say and how they sound like the gurgling and the gasping and the wheezing and the, and there's a lot of that like visceral guttural sounds coming out of the victims when they're getting killed she's she's the one under the the train under the bridge, bridge. okay yes. yeah which yeah. uh quick interjection i was able to i i only got an hour 20 minutes into um i into the comparison because I, I had to take a nap um mm-hmm. but that scene specifically under the the train yard in the unrated edition is extended by about 30 seconds Um, So what we're seeing is a lot more than the rated R one that you can rent. Um, And it's the death rattle that is that is extended. And what you were just saying right there, when I rewatched it, that scene today, I was like, oh, this is way more effective than the rated R version. But continue, please. Yeah. And it's just uh, when she gasps for air that this is the kind of stuff that that interests me in horror and like when you're trying to be uh like shocking i guess you could say like shock and awe kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and disturbing like it like it felt accurately like real and that's the kind of stuff i like this this is the kind of slow burn movie i like too like this is the kind of slow burn horror filmmaking i like Mm -hmm. um this i draw a lot of um, comparisons to um, the eyes of my mother at this film mm-hmm. not n- necessarily like you know the th- just the way it's shot and the way it kind of unfolds and the way they try to depict the like the intense violent parts yes. it's yeah. it's kind of similar in that way but um, yeah this is definitely the most disturbing film for me that I've seen and it's not just the violence it's also like the rape and stuff too like it was it was pretty intense man it's pretty intense. So, um, where did you watch it? I bought the DVD, um, and I'm glad I did because I really like this movie. Hell yeah! 
And that's how I watched uh, it. I, so I also did buy the DVD. Um, I had to leave town, so I unfortunately ended up renting it. Well, I'm glad that I gave this movie more money. Um, and I didn't realize until, when, when did I text you? Friday or Saturday? Asking about one of the yeah, two think, days. Asking yeah. um, about the time difference. And so I was able to go back today and watch the majority of uh of the the dvd and because the dvd is an unrated cut um and i dude i'm such an idiot when you said 101 minutes i was in my head i was like damn so this movie's two hours and one minute long it's like it's like they cut out like 12 minutes of this movie you're like this is like um, lord of the rings link yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, god so i i'm an idiot so uh but yeah the the majority of things in the unrated cut um are just small extensions and insert shots mainly of the violence there was one thing specifically that was cut out of the um the rentable rated r cut which i i don't know why it's the first time the social worker is driving to martha's house um, you know, what we see in on the unrated DVD is her in the car listening to a radio broadcast that is talking about one of the missing one of the bodies that Felix had created. Um, that's completely out of the um uh of the rated R cut. And I think that kind of does it a disservice. It is a I think a minute and a half long scene so I can understand why because for a movie like this it is a little long um but I yeah. think it's one of the only looks that we get from the outside world uh because this dude is committing horrific horrific murders and it's kind of I don't want to say nice um but it's it's a I appreciate that we get somewhat of an outside. We also do kind of get that through when she's looking at the newspaper clippings in his room. Uh, but I, I appreciate that small little detail of people in the outside world world verbalizing the fear that this person's causing. Yeah, I personally thought the same thing, too, because when you have movies like this that are usually contained to like one or two areas, when it kind of shows multiple locations or multiple people and how like that's affecting everything around them. It's kind of like a breath of fresh air. It's kind of like a break from the insanity, I guess you could say mm -hmm. like when you're like, okay, we're, this is new. This is something new now. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not uh, dark and dreary inside the house and you're not staring at the same thing the entire time. Not that that's a negative. Um, it's just to your point, it is the first time of like almost normalcy we get in the entire film it's like it's the only normal person yeah quote unquote in the movie and and you're you know alone with her now you're not around these crazy people anymore mm -hmm. whether it be the warehouse workers or the factory workers or you know the psychopaths but yeah. you know i i obviously i can't imagine just sitting there and listening to someone get assaulted like that and not doing anything but knowing that it's your two children doing it that's a little fucking weird jerome is just sitting 
in one of the stalls in the bathroom at work, listening to his two sons. Are those brutally... his sons? I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that in the movie, but um, yeah, he's just listening to them brutally assault this girl, and he doesn't do a goddamn thing. You could tell he's like he has a conscience because you could tell it's like really bothering him. Mm-hmm. So why he doesn't stop them is I don't know. It's kind of telling, I guess. For do you think that he wanted to fuck Martha? I don't think so. I think he was genuinely a good person, but he was afraid of his sons for w- one reason or another. Well, they do. They are fucking psychos. Terrible people. <laughs> they, yeah. I, I, I don't uh, I don't know if I believe in forced castration, but maybe for them I do. We also don't get a glimpse into what their outside life is like outside of the factory. So maybe like they're fucking abusive. Maybe something's going on like because for them to rape this girl on like almost a daily basis, mm-hmm. they got to be fucked up outside of work, too. Yeah. And if they're fucking with the dad in some way, like he's probably afraid of them just as much as Yo. she's afraid of them. You know what I mean? What if they do that to him? You, you know that Ari Aster short film, Something About the Johnsons? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it then. Well, I kind of just did. Um, <laughs> but, um, so, okay, so one of the things I wanted to talk about, um, in Lefurefax, one of the words that has been many times um, used to describe this film is misogynistic. Uh, one of the films that I, one of the words that I've seen used sparingly is feminist, because... Uh, I think at the core, a lot of rape revenge films can be classified as feminist films, and I would very much classify this as a rape revenge film. Uh, do you? And I know that you and I are not are not the people in a position that have any say or authority over this. But just you know, out of your opinion, do you think this film is misogynist, or can you can you see where people are coming from? When oh, they yeah. say that, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it's down to the very, you know, first shots of the film of the of the girl giving birth to, you know, all like all throughout. It's just a man dominating a woman, mm-hmm. whether it's the rape, whether it's uh, the position of power, whether of d- demeaning her for being just a cleaning lady, a cleaning bitch. You know, her In, her, where- her status. It's it's more than just like the sex and the rape. It's, it's, you know, it's putting down her status and her just everything. So like, yeah, no, it's totally misogynistic. And uh, I could see where people are coming from for sure. Yeah. And even when it gets to the final kill, the final three kills of the She movie, doesn't even get to do it. She, yeah, she's not allowed to do it. Yeah. Although so, it, at least which there was, is, she is, her, her, her water does break in that scene. So that at least... Make could, could you imagine if she was running around with that mallet little baby hanging out of her? Yeah, but to but to that point though, it's like she's finally going to be able to get the revenge. But then, womanhood nature takes over, and because she's a woman, and that's happening at that specific time, it stops her from being able to do what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like a constant like theme throughout the movie. And I was kind of bummed because. I enjoyed the movie throughout, but like that ending really sealed it for me. I was like, fuck, this is good. And I wanted to see her. I wanted to see her do it, but I don't know. I, I guess it just wasn't in the cards. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, do you, so do you think that the outcome 
of the film makes up for a lot of the misogyny throughout the, the the three men that are doing it specifically they die and the person that's killing all these young women he also dies yeah i was thinking about that as it was playing out because there was a point where i was cheering for what's his name i forgot felix yeah there was a point where i was like fuck yeah and then like they started to get felix and i'm like no felix no and then i'm thinking to myself like dude this guy's a why, piece why of am shit why am i cheering guy? for him exactly yeah I'm like why am i cheering for him and so it does redeem it i think in a lot of ways because you know those pieces of shit are getting what they deserve mm-hmm. i just wish it wasn't from him like i wish i think it would have been a full redeeming factor a full a full circle if you will if she was able to actually commit it but mm-hmm. um it was redeeming in at least partially yes yeah um one of the other uh main cuts that's in the movie that that you brought up they must have used some some digital enhancement to cover it um in the the birth scene at the very beginning you you see you see everything down there um in the rated r cut there's it's like almost all covered up i'm um, not gonna lie i didn't even notice like i i don't know if i wasn't looking down there or anything well, that, but that's like fair I, that's but, fair but, but no like i don't know if that's what it was but i like i i didn't notice if it showed it or not I, like i thought it was just kind of like shadowed out i didn't really see so oh, no Go oh, no like, like it shows it yeah no like i didn't notice and it shows crack um noise anyways uh (laughs) the um one of the things that i think is so impressive about this film and when you're doing extreme horror films and i I think this is one of the things that i said i enjoyed about inside um the the practical effects are bar none some of the best that i've seen in recent times Sorry. Uh, practically, I, I think you would agree that this film succeeds. I do, yeah. I mean, I, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about how, like, it's subtle in its execution of the gore. Mm-hmm. Like, when she's beating the social worker over the head at the end, you're not seeing, like, her head being smashed in. You're seeing blood splatter on the side and stuff like that. And that kind of stuff is it's very real and accurate in my opinion, just from what I've seen and like the things that I've like researched as far as, you know, serial killers and killings and you, you know, like the whole Iwu shit, like mm. it's not like bash somebody in the head and their fucking and whole head explodes yeah. or caves in. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's very subtle until it's not. Uh, d- did you have a, a favorite? I hate to say favorite because <laughs> most of the people that die in this movie do not deserve it um but did you have a favorite practical or or i i guess fav- favorite most effective use of practical effects um you want I me mean, to go first yeah go ahead go ahead um, i i it. i think it has to be the what you just mentioned the the mallet scene with the social yeah. worker because whether obviously obviously it wasn't a real mallet it was probably 
uh, empty plastic or something, but she connects with it. Every hit and the Foley work that's done on the sound and the, it's very, it's, it's very minimalistic, but the, the blood, the blood spurts that come with each hit, the, the amount of timing that has to take through multiple different, uh, people on a film set. It's just, uh, I think it was done so well. Yeah, I would have to say that as well. And I mean, it's kind of like, it's, it's even more effective when you're like, trying to get into the mind of the social worker like what her last thoughts are while she's getting beat and like trying to crawl away like it that's what makes it more scary and disturbing for me is like i get like way into it like what is she thinking like what are her last moments what Mm -hmm. what's the last thing she's gonna hear that bitch say before she kicks the bucket right like yeah that's the kind of stuff i get in my head when i'm seeing like a disturbing scene like this and as subtle as it was, I think it is effective just because it's realistic. But yeah. Uh, we, we did, we kind of uh, touched on this a little bit in Eyes of My Mother. Uh, but I just want to kind of go back to it for a second. How do you feel about films that show uh, poignant clips, uh, poignant scenes from the finale or from, from towards the end of a movie up front? Because we, um, we get that with with Julie, who has at the at, at the beginning of the film we see Julie who has already escaped and she's running through the 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 roads and everything. I mean, I think it's a cool like I think it adds um like um what's the word I'm trying to think of like it it adds a kind of adhesive to the whole narrative that I like mm-hmm. um. And it adds kind of like time plot points that you can keep track of and when things take place. And I think it's cool when it wraps around narratively in an interesting way. Um, I think it's really effective when they do stuff like this, when there's an actual conclusion with that person that's in the beginning of the film. In this, her name's Julie, right? Yeah. In this, we didn't really have a conclusion with her. So I don't think it was as effective. I mean, she was just. Do you think there. she's going to stay with Martha? Because Martha, I, don't know. For, I would say sixty percent of the time, Martha treated her well. Right, but it's like a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing, right? Yes. Like, will yeah. like will she fall in line with the Stockholm syndrome? I mean, she tried to escape. Uh, is what's his? I keep I keep feeling the same. Is Felix gonna die? I mean, you would oh, have to yeah. think so, when, right? Yeah. Like he Felix was bleeding out, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I I feel like she now has the opportunity to escape. But she had kind of like a weird look on her face when everything was going down. Almost like she wasn't scared, but she was like piecing together what was happening. If you go back and watch it, like it, she doesn't have a terrified look on her face when this whole fight is going down. She's she's hiding behind the couch, but like she's almost I don't know. She, I I think she kind of reflects maybe what I felt, like maybe what the audience feels is like you you don't really know who you're supposed to be cheering for. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt that way with like her demeanor and her like the way she was presenting herself at the end was like cheering on uh the two main fucking i'm so bad martha and felix cheering on martha and felix but also kind of confused on why Mm -hmm. but 
I mean, honestly, I don't know if she would be any better off because if if Martha and Felix died, I bet those two brothers would have just taken her. Um, yeah. Honestly, I mean, they, they're fucking deranged. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think is interesting, and we've seen this in another um, extreme horror film with martyrs, uh, and that is uh, a supernatural element to it. I think... Uh, you could make an argument that what happens in this film isn't supernatural and more uh, a uh, an effect of Martha's many, many mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, curious about your thoughts on a couple things here. So throughout the film, Felix has already given in to the, the murderous urges uh, that his father had passed along to him and he does see himself somewhat as a protector he, he obviously yes he sees himself himself as martha's protector uh in throughout the film it seems like felix is trying to almost make sure that martha doesn't turn into that person he, he keeps telling her to be patient take your time wait uh and i feel like he's almost expecting martha to just stop asking if she can also kill people more or less um but throughout throughout the film, Martha kind of has this this golemness to her character, where she starts talking to the side of herself that wants to give in to her father's urges, while the other part of herself is um, self self deprecating um, and just a very sad, tragic person. So, h- how do you um, how do you feel about that whole dichotomy of how she's handling these feelings she's having? I think it was interesting. The mental health stuff is on point, I think. The way I kind of took the Felix situation on like how he's uh, not mentoring her, but I guess uh, kind of trying to teach her is like, like with the patient stuff and things like that, I think it's one of those things where like he's trying to teach her more to survive than to like fight the urge to kill. And he keeps mentioning just like you know just be patient and let things come to you and the way i took that was like hey if you're gonna wind up giving into your urges it's gonna happen no matter what so Mm -hmm. don't fight them don't accept them just let it play out and the way it plays out it plays out um and she was trying to battle right she was trying to be good in battle almost at the same time and he was just you know like let it go see what happens just be patient and see how it pans out. And I, I think one of the really small scenes that shows um, Martha's potential lack of impulse control is the cake scene when she gets home from work for the yeah. first uh, the, the first time we see her coming home from work. Uh, it, we learn from the social worker that she's diabetic. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't know much about diabetes, but I know you're really not supposed to have that much sugar. That cake um, looked really good, though. I'm not gonna lie, it, it did. Uh, but so there's there's that whole moment of, and it, at this point, she, to our knowledge, she hasn't been sexually assaulted. Only uh, the dude pissed on the floor and then wiped his hands on her. Which fuck you, dude. Um, but yeah, so she she starts to. Have you ever seen a ghost tale? the Casey Affleck Rooney Mara movie the A24 flick yeah 
No, I heard it's it's divisive. Oh, it's but. fucking awful. Um, but there's there's a scene where Rooney Mara eats an entire chocolate pie, mm. like in one take, and in this this kind of reminded me uh, of that a ways. And but unlike the Rooney Mara scene, um, we see those flashes of control that Martha has, knowing that eating this cake could kill me. Um, and again, it's just, it's, it's small and it's throwaway, but I, I think it's, it's a, uh, th- there's, there's so many scenes of just really good storytelling. Internal, just internalizing her battle between what she should do and what she shouldn't yeah. do. Yeah. 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 No, I and, agree with that. Uh, an- another thing that this was, this was just, uh, a small throwaway thing that again, it, it doesn't matter that it's in there, but it would be different if it was done a different way um the first time the caseworker leaves um she she says something along the lines of um i'll be seeing you again in a month or something and then that character's gone for i think 35 40 minutes in the movie yeah Yeah, and then she comes back and you're like oh she said that she was gonna be back in a month and then you're like okay so they haven't told me but a month has now passed it's it's such a small uh, a, a small way to convey the passage of time. And I, I appreciate that because the social worker could have gotten there and said, boy, I haven't seen you in a month. And so many films do things like that. And it's so fucking cheesy. Um, but I, I think I, 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 I think appre- about that. Yeah. I just appreciate mm. the subtleties that, that, um, all, all Hodge again, it's pronouncing that. Um, I just, I, I appreciate the subtleties in, yeah in his storytelling yeah that's a good point um so i just want to see how we're doing on time okay all right uh so i think we're kind of uh ramping up on our time where was there anything in the movie um that you really wanted to talk about that we didn't um we, we did kind of touch on the supernatural elements of it um i kind of saw that as those are the the ghosts and the demons that were created from her father, yeah. and she's slowly becoming infected with her father's. I, I not not uh, she's becoming possessed. I guess is that kind of how you looked at that whole? I didn't really know what to think of it. I wanted to try to kind of come up with my own concept for it, but originally I was thinking like, oh, these are just like. Uh, like the past demons of like the people that they've killed mm-hmm. coming to haunt them internally and things like that. But I don't really have an explanation for it. I, I will say I do like visually how he did those scenes um, from the editing to just how they look and everything. It's really cool. It's really scary. It's spooky. Um, it's visually pleasing, but um, I don't really have any kind of narrative. I, I kind of just let it sink in and just like kind of like what you said. It was just like um, just like internal demons and shit that she was going through. Like, I don't know. That, that's how I kind of interpreted it as I was watching it. I don't uh, really one, of the, yeah. one of the things that we actually completely glossed over is how I don't know how we did is how after the brother feel I'm, I'm even calling him the brother after Felix. Uh, <laughs> Um, what if that wasn't even his name? Yeah, yeah, his name's Oscar <laughs> Hans. The one of the things that we we do need to talk about before we end our discussion is so 
as we had mentioned, Martha gets, oh my God, there's six cop cars now. Holy shit. Um, Martha gets raped by Luke, I believe is his name. L-U-C. And once the brother Felix finds out, um, I was going to say he rapes her, but it actually looks very consensual. Um, now yeah. that I'm thinking back on it. And so I think that Felix having sex with Martha um, does two things specifically. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, one, it's going to make Felix feel like the baby is his. Oh, I and, have a, I, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and the second is if we do want to take the supernatural angle of this and after the baby's born, you know, we get this shot of the father's, um, you know, ink black hand coming up out of that, my, that, that mound of charcoal, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that would be the only thing to explain all the blackface in this movie. Um, uh, I think that, I think that, this is almost supposed to be a ritual that when Felix dies, the the spirit, the demon of their father, the butcher, is implanted into whatever is going to be next. And it just so happens to be Martha slash, in his eyes, Felix's kid. Yeah. But I want to know what you think now. Well, mine's way less uh, supernatural. Um but carrying on the legacy of the butcher is, I mean, the overall theme, I guess, maybe. But what I just assumed is it was kind of like like a perfect happen chance that, that took place. Because Felix was talking about, like, look, you got to go to work and you got to blend in. You got to blend in. And per- so, like, nobody is suspicious of what's going on. And everyone fucks their sister here. Everyone does. <laughs> so, what... What my impression was is that they were already fucking. That is Felix's kid. And they were able to pin the normalcy of the pregnancy on the fact that she was raped by the two guys. So she was able to pin her being pregnant on them when in reality it was Felix's kid from the beginning. And it created a a facade, a charade of like, Hey, I got pregnant by these guys who raped me, not by my crazy psychopathic brother. But there's nothing to confirm that. That's just Oh a- no, and, and and I I think that's that's what we're doing here. You know, we're they that's oh god, I'm going to sound so fucking pretentious. That's the good thing about art. It's subjective and even it, I, oh, we got into a really, the three of us got into a really heated discussion on one movie. I don't remember what it was, but... Yeah, I can't remember either. Um, but, yeah, I think you, but, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. No, I do. But to your point, the paranormal part of it, like the legacy of the butcher, mm-hmm. you know, carries on. I think that's, you know, obviously like a way f- more fun, cool, like theory of what the purpose of the whole thing is. Um, I, and it's like I, a I phoenix know. rising from the ashes, you know, him coming I, out of the ash. Yeah. And like, you know, the birth of the sun is like the reborn of the butcher. So that is that is cool. That's pretty fucking badass, actually. So I think I'm going to go with that, that theory. But I, I kind of want to try and work on the theory, though, because I don't think that her and Felix were already having sex. I just think they were really close. I don't know. 
but I can see it though because she she washes him. Yeah, I mean, the closeness is present the whole movie. Like mm-hmm. there is a weird brotherly sister love throughout the the film. You could tell it's that kind of relationship that she has with him that she's you know inferior to him Mm -hmm. like and he dominates her in certain ways and i didn't get the impression that this was the first time that they had sex (laughs) so that was just me but did did you uh did you catch the sounds that it was making when it when it switches to julie's pov and everything turns pitch black and inky and the snake wraps around him did you hear the sounds that it was making when they were having sex i wasn't no, I don't remember. It's all cats and stuff. No, I'm kidding. But um, it's, uh, you know, like when you make a, a pot of mac and cheese. Oh, like. And it was making that sound. And I, I mean, <laughs> she was filling it. She was filling it. You know what I mean? Like it was. <laughs> she was filling it. She was feeling it. So. Oh, I thought you said she was filling it. Well, that's too. I, which I, that too. She was feeling it and filling it. So, oh my god. Uh, okay, I think we've touched uh quite a few bases here. Um maybe hit some fouls, more home runs. Definitely. Um let us uh before we get into our final thoughts and review, we are going to take an official union mandated ruminations of red rum thick piss break. Support your local unions folks. Take that break. We'll be right back. You've seen Twin Peaks all the way through, but all you have are spoiler-free discussions? At Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory. Put the coffee on. And we're back. That was a good... Have you ever had one of those, like, you hold in a a pee for, like, two or three hours, and then after you go, like, your ball kind of hurts? Your ball, like my singular ball, or my well, balls. I mean, uh, for me, Do you have just, one ball, Brennan. I I have two. Is I this think. a ruminations of Red Room exclusive right now? <laughs> no, but uh, like if I hold in a pee for too long, uh, and I go like my left ball stings for a good like ten minutes afterwards. Yeah, you definitely want to get that checked out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's <laughs> uh, let's get into our uh, final thoughts and rating uh would you like to go first or do you want i'll go first um the pacing and the like the visual style of this movie is a kyle ass movie um i make comparisons to the eyes of my mother because to me it feels the same in a lot of ways um i just really dug the story that was told here the brutality and the way it was depicted um i think the i think the directorial style is right up my alley it's my cup of tea um it was a slow burn but one i enjoyed despite the very crude um and uh unwelcoming nature of the film but uh yeah dude i'm glad i had this in my collection and i'm gonna give it a four with a heart four Four with a heart with a heart 2.9 on letterboxd seems a little a little underrated but you know teacher zone 
teacher's own. Uh, so I'm actually upping my initial rating from when I first saw this over a year ago. Um, this movie does the right things right, and it does it very well. It is uncomfortable to watch. Uh, you can obviously make the argument that it is misogynistic, but I think that in the end, the justice is served. Uh, Martha is such a tragic character, and um, I shit. Now I feel bad for not looking up uh, the the actor who plays Martha, um, but she does such an amazing job. Ellen um, Schumacher. Schumacher. That's right, Ellen Schumacher. Um, she is absolutely incredible. She sells this movie one thousand percent. Um, I really want to see more, uh, more work from her especially in the horror field and maybe one where she's not put in the peril too much because uh after this she needs a little break um so i am upping my initial four star rating to a 4.5 and a heart which brings the official score um i forget how we do rounding on this one but a 4.25 i think that's down 4.3 would have been up yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh so that means the official Ruminations Red Room score for 2022 Mega Low Maniac is a four star with a heart. Just be thankful that Ian wasn't here because he would have gave this a three point five, I guarantee you. Yeah. You know, you couldn't really see any of the penetration. <laughs> there wasn't enough rape in the film. <laughs> Ian, sit down. Sit down, Ian. But yeah. Uh I'm, but, I'm, hey, look, I would have been fine with a 4.5 as well. Mm-hmm. It just so happens it's just the two of us. So, unfortunately. So, and it would have been lower with Ian. All right, you just said 100%. So, so 100%. anyways, um, it is now, it is now time for not only Belgium's, but the world's favorite podcast game. It's what's in the box. It's the game. Uh, oh, I don't have the thing pulled up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've been relying on that so much. Let's uh, go. It's the game where uh, we take the Letterboxd app and read a description of a movie. And from that description, my co-hosts have to guess uh, the star rating within a point three. Um, and then from there, we go on to guessing the decade. And if you get the decade correct, you get to guess the year. For another point, three points total that are that can be awarded. Nah. Per, gentlemen, you know. are you ready? S- see whatever. I don't know why I said gentlemen. Gentlemen, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, shit. Um, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Brothers to the end, the very end. In order to become a member of a fraternity, the applicants have to go through initiation rituals to show their loyalty. Way back in the 1960s, someone played a nasty trick on the student Sidney Scheider. He had to take a bath in a tub filled with cornflakes and coffee grounds, vinegar, and even more disgusting substances. Nothing unusual so far, but someone had replaced the water with pure acid. Sydney was seriously wounded and died in a horrible death. Died in a horrible death. That's what it says. This year, Acid Sid returns with a vengeance, (laughs) killing everyone who comes his way. One by one is slaughtered. One by one is slaughtered. And in the college hell, 
breaks loose. That is a horribly written summary. There you go. Is this like Toxic Avenger 7? I feel it, like this is one of the Toxic Avenger movies. because It very much could be. Um, I'm going to go with that and say 1.9. Somebody who I follow on the LB who has rated this film has given it a five stars. Is that person's name Ian? I will not say who it is. So what's your... Uh, 1.9. This sounds like a trauma movie. 1.9. Okay. Yeah. And you're keeping score, right? Yeah. Okay. That is incorrect. Oh, that, is... oh that, was, that was so harsh. You're keeping score? Okay, because you get no points. <laughs> it is sitting at a 2.6. Guess the decade. 90s. One point is awarded. Guess the year. I'll say 95. It is a 1990 film no. directed by Paul Ziller, Pledge Night. That really sounded like one of the Toxie movies. But you're, uh, you're on the board with one point. Oh, great. <laughs> All right. Tagline. Is the monster man fish or devil? A mad scientist unleashes his master plan to transform himself into a mutated walking catfish and gain revenge on those who have spurned him. Spurned. That's a good word. That is a good word. Uh, his plans go wrong and he becomes tempted to kidnap a nubile young woman to similar. Nubile means young, right? Um, sure. To similarly transform her so that he can breed. Ugh. I didn't read that description. This is brutal, dude. But um, it sounds like a fucking... This sounds like a 90s movie. It also sounds like it would be a trauma movie, too. So I think we both, like, spiritually picked the same theme for our first movie, which is weird. But I'm going to go with 2.4. You are one off. It is 2.0. Oh! I meant you were one off from getting a point. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay. Uh, guess the decade. 90s. Wait, wait, I didn't tell you. It's a, did I, oh, I told you it's a 2.0. Yeah. Um, 90s? Mm-hmm. Incorrect. It is 1971's Zat. Whoa, okay. okay. Zat. Can I, I just want to show you, look at the fucking poster for this thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to add it to the watch list right now, so... <laughs> Okay, number two. Are you ready? I'm ready. Want to hear a scary story? During a power outage, two strangers tell scary stories. The, the more Fred and Fanny commit to their tales, the more the stories come to life in the dark of a Catskill cabin. The horrors of reality manifest when Fred confronts his ultimate fear. Fanny is the better storyteller. So this is the 2019 Shutter original slash exclusive, maybe scare me, and it is a 3.2. You are awarded a point. It is at 3.0. Guess the decade. Uh. Oh wait, is it the tens or the twenties? I'm going to play it risky, and I'm going to say the 10s. That is incorrect. It is the 2020 film directed by Josh Rubin, Scare Me. God damn it. Still in the lead. Still in the lead. Still in the lead. But 
you could bring it back with this one. Sea ape, defy jaws of a giant shark. Destroy a teeming city. Demolish an ocean liner. Vanquish monster reptile. A newly discovered 36-foot gorilla escapes from a freighter off the coast of Korea. At the same time, an American actress is filming a movie in the country. Chaos ensues as the ape kidnaps her and rampages through Seoul. Seems right up Ian's alley. Um, it's not on his watch list. Surprising. Uh, 3.0. Another donut. It is a 2.3. God damn. Okay. Yes, the decade. Uh, 2000s. 2010s. 2010s? 2010s. This is 1976's APE. It's not called Ape. It's APE. APE. Okay. Still also, anyone's game. Also adding, no, not really. <laughs> also adding to the watch list, though. APE. Okay. You've won because we're only doing three, but I'm still going to read my last one. No, I only have two points. Yeah, and I have zero. You oh, can get mine right. That's right, Brett. That's right. You still have one more. Okay. Your next stop is hell. After the elevators at a New York City a New York City skyscraper begin in explicitly malfunctioning, putting its passengers at risk, mechanic Mark Newman and reporter Jennifer Evans begin separate investigations. Newman gets resistance from superiors at his company, which manufactured the elevator, while additional elevator incidences cause several gruesome deaths. The police get involved and suspect that terrorists are responsible, but a far stranger explanation looms. Newman. Just had to get that out there. <laughs> um, for my Seinfeld fans. Uh, 2.9? That is incorrect. It is sitting at 2.5. Guess the decade. I well, it has. It's about terrorists, so I'm gonna say the two thousand. The odds. That is very. That is very accurate. It is. You are correct. Okay, <laughs> you are correct. I will say um, the year. Guess the year. Okay, so it's. Gotta be after 2004. I'll say 2005. That is incorrect. It is the 2001 film directed by Dick Mass. It is <laughs> Dick Moss? Dick Moore? I don't know. It is the 2001 film Down. Never heard of that. The, does, it, does it say what um, month it came out just out of curiosity no it doesn't but that would be pretty crazy if it was but um never heard of it either but the cover art is really cool i like the cover art. down i will check it out okay all right still anyone's game <laughs> oh actually i kind of feel weird reading this to stop this mother takes one bad brother i feel very bad reading this Eddie is a Vietnam veteran who loses his arms and legs when he steps on a landmine, but a brilliant surgeon is able to attach new limbs. Unfortunately, an insanely jealous assistant, who has fallen in love with Eddie's fiance, switches Eddie's DNA injections, transforming him into a gigantic killer. Two point seven. 
No. It's a 2.1. I can guess a decade. I can still guess the decade, and if I get that right, I can guess the year, and we can tie it. Oh, okay. Oh, it's three zero. But yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the decade if, if, is. If you, get, if you get both of these, I'll tie it up. It'll okay. Be a tie game. The decade is twenty tens. It is the nineteen seventy three film Blackenstein. Oh, that's right. We did this one already. I totally forgot about it. Um, damn. Okay. Well, year to date, it is now Kyle 10, Brendan 12, catching up to Mitch at 16, and Ian at 9. Still anyone's game. We have until, what did you say, March? March. <laughs> March 1st. Oh, it kind of goes with uh, March Madness. There you go. We could have a big playoff. Yeah, so we should do the end of March is actually the last like where it. all the points or all the questions are worth two points. Or what if what if you could wager Ooh. your points? We'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, this has been another episode of Rumination of Red Rum, the incest snake of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, if you like what we're, I couldn't think of a better one. No, that's good. That's good. Um, if you like what we're doing here, give us a follow on uh, Twitter. It's uh, of Red Rum. That is O F Red Rum. Uh, also, uh, follow us on any of the like Spotify, the <laughs> any of the uh, podcast apps. We're on all of them. We're trying to get some more ratings because we got to be tomato certified because that's how you're taken uh, legitimately um around these parts and we're getting close so if you could please give us a rating hopefully a good one um unless you're mark polonia um but (laughs) that being said (laughs) i have been your host brendan jesus ortega and with us as always it's the man without a plan it's the man that wears a snapback and he oh he's he's shit he drives his black cadillac and he wears a snapback he writes with a number two pencil he's number one in all of our hearts it's kyle with a k if you follow us on social media platforms you'll probably notice that we don't uh, post much we're not very active on those you got a lot of people here that just don't really care about them but 2024 is going to be different i want us to get more into that social game and then also we have plans as much as I like to procrastinate on some video stuff. So we're going to get into the game more. You're going to start seeing our beautiful faces more. I promise you it's going to happen. But in the meantime, please, I would appreciate just rate us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Rate us on Spotify. Get our ratings up. Get us in people's ears because that's going to be the first step. We appreciate everybody who listens to us and um, join our Discord. Hang out with us. Talk with us. Stay smooth. Hail Ratma. Hail Ratma.